I mean, so I like totally embarrassed my husband at dinner parties when people were like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, let me tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you <laughs> everything. I'm Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This episode, I think, is one of my favorites only in that it's so special that we had a listener reach out to us and say, hey... This is a topic I feel really passionate about. I'm an expert in it. Like, can I come on and talk about it? Yes. And that was great for several reasons. One being we didn't even know it was a topic we should talk about. We knew nothing about the topic. No, until we started talking about it. And then we were like, why? Interested immediately. Yeah. To just the fact that someone wants to come on and share their expertise with us is the most wonderful, flattering, humbling thing ever. And we want more of that. Yeah, so if that's why we ask for, you know, if you have guest ideas or if you yourself are an expert in something that we talk about regularly on the show, please reach out to us Mm -hmm. because this is evidence that that's a really um, awesome thing we can do for our listeners is to share other listeners' areas of expertise. So today we are talking with Rachel Shepard about pelvic health. Straight up, you will learn in this episode just how much the— sex and health education systems mm-hmm. have failed. Mm-hmm. We Nina get, and I. <laughs> yeah, we get deep into the sex ed questions and uh, just, you know, know that as you head into this episode, it is about women's health and the pelvic area. So if that does make you uncomfortable, we're dropping a lot of words around that right. sex ed language. But I think what my one of my main takeaways from this is when I thought pelvic health, I didn't think, how does that relate to digestive health? How uh-huh. does that relate to reproductive? I mean, it's not, I don't want to say sex ed, but there are so many other things that it impacts, you know, your, Beyond. your hip pain yes. or lots of other parts of the body that are connected to the pelvis. So it's not just like, I don't mean to say like this is a sex ed episode. There's a lot of other things like bowel health. Agreed. And <laughs> like when you have to pee when you're jumping on a trampoline, did you know that, that is your pelvis? So yeah. it's a it's very informative and almost shocking that so many women are having issues with their pelvic area and we're not even informed enough to know that that's a real thing and it's part of our body. And I think that it's really important for women to get this information. I think also we talk in the episode about how, I mean, we've talked about this before, when we look at anxiety or other health issues that women sometimes may be more prone to facing, a lot of health professionals are just kind of like get over it or don't take pain as seriously when it's coming from a a woman. There have Mm -hmm. been lots of studies that show that doctors are much more likely to tell women kind of like wait it out or Or it's in your head. Right. It's not really that big of a deal. And one of the points she made is basically that like when women give birth, you know, your pelvis goes through trauma when you give birth. I mean, like think about just the way what's happening with your pelvis. It's going through a lot. And basically there's no rehab after for your Mm -hmm. pelvis. It's basically the same as if you roll your ankle, but there's so much more going on, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're talking about having a baby specifically, 
So she talks a lot about um, pelvic rehab, not even just like from a birth perspective, but if you're having like pain during intercourse or, or any kind of pain at all, that you may be able to benefit from pelvic rehab. So there's a lot of cool stuff. Really informative. And I know that you guys are going to take a lot from this episode. Um, I know that I definitely did. And I'm, I have so much more knowledge on the topic. Yeah. So before we get started, just a couple um, housekeeping items. We actually did have wine for this episode. So that's great. We enjoyed the wine during this episode. We enjoyed it while talking about pelvic health. We did. Rachel did not have wine. She had tea. She was true to the tea and shine. She was. Probably because we talk about tea and shine all the time. She brought her tea. BYOT. She was ready. (laughs) And we had wine. Yeah. For once. Yeah. However, I would like to just say Cara Vitamins. You should check them out at TakeCareOf.com. They are responsibly sourced vitamins, so you know you're getting the best ingredients to put in your body. Um, They're much higher quality than what you would find in a grocery store. And best of all, they're personalized just for you. So you can go to their website, take a free assessment, see what your body needs based on um, some of the symptoms that you may be experiencing or some of the things you're looking to improve in your overall health. Get a little packet just for you with your name on it, and they'll send those to you every month so you can make sure you're putting lots of goodness in your body. You can get a 50% off code with the word SHINE, and that's 50% off your first month subscription. Well, having said that, let's hop into this episode with Rachel Shepard. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to be talking about pelvic health today, which is a topic we don't really know much about. I know nothing about it. Yeah, and I'd say you guys are probably in the norm with most women for not knowing a lot about that area of their body. Like, why don't we get any information about our anatomy? That's a good question. That's, I'm going to try not to get on my soapbox uh, too much. <laughs> yeah, but during I this want podcast. a little bit of the soapbox. But, I do too. Um, so I don't know what your sex ed was like in high school, but mine was basically like how not to get pregnant and how not to get an STD. It was yeah. nothing about what's proper hygiene? What is your anatomy? What's normal? What's abnormal? When should you seek help? Like, it's strictly how not to make babies. Yeah. And it's all about abstinence, too. Yeah. Mine was. Mine was all about the, the abstinence lifestyle. I don't know if they talked about abstinence in mine or not. Really? Mine totally I feel like was. they probably were like, this is preferred, but if you're going to do the other— I, but I have no memory. I must really? have just like blacked it out because I was yeah. uncomfortable. But it's mostly like interaction with like you and another human. Exactly. It's not like just you understanding your body. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know what curriculums are doing that, but I haven't heard of people who are getting that. I their- honestly oh. do not believe that it's something that's happening nowadays too. I feel yeah. like it's still like the sex talk and the hormones mm-hmm. talk. And honestly, if you think about it, like a lot of the issues we're having nowadays is that we're not connected to ourselves. Like, we don't recognize what's happening within our own body. We're like, we're think about how separate we are from our emotions, from our body, from how we're feeling. Like, it's such an important topic. Same. Oh, glad I get to talk about it yeah, with you guys. Yes, absolutely. So, tell us a little bit about you, and you can touch on. So, you're in Columbus when we're recording in person, which is we awesome. We are. We're live in the Star Wars <laughs> office today. Yeah, she gets to. And look, we've got some like. Music artists. Uh-huh. We got beer. a lot of... Bo- no, they're not bobbleheads. What are they? Yeah, they're bobbleheads. No, they're called something else. They're called like pop hit. Pop art. Pop something. Sure. Okay, whatever. Those big head <laughs> guys that are all like Star Wars and like characters. It's a good vibe in here today. Yeah. So tell us about how you came to Columbus and 
what led you, like what you're currently doing now in health and your job and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I came to Columbus first for undergrad. I grew up kind of all over. My dad was in the military. And I had my first Midwest winter, my freshman year of college at Ohio Mm. State and was like, no, thank you. Four years and I'm out of here. And then <laughs> I feel like it's always about a boy. I met my now husband who's born and raised in Columbus. It's always about a boy. So I ended up staying here a little while after undergrad and then took three years to go to Duke for my physical therapy degree. And Warmer I'm. Weather. Yes, yeah. so much nicer. <laughs> I actually got the call for my acceptance when it was one of the polar vortexes. Mm. And they're like, it's like 30 degrees here. I was like, that's amazing. Like, oh my yep, gosh. sign me up. So I went down there, recently came back in May after graduation. So you've been here for that long. Yeah. Well, again, you're back yes. again. Yes. Yeah. It's newly back in Columbus, newly mm-hmm. living with my husband, which is Yay. exciting. Wait, were you separated when you were? Yes. Wow. So the long distance deal. Yeah. Jeez. The way the curriculum set up, the third year is all clinical, and we don't know where that's going to be. So it didn't make sense for him to come down with me, right. change a job, all of that. So we just made it work for the time being. That's and awesome. Now I'm back, and I, in August, started in a women's health residency for physical therapy. So I'm seeing patients with abdominal and pelvic complaints. Mm. So what was your undergrad, and then what was your master's exactly? Yeah, so my undergrad was in exercise physiology. And then I have a doctorate in physical therapy. Nice. So did you go into that with women's health in mind or that's just like how you ended up? It's how I ended up. So I didn't know it was a specialty going into physical therapy. I was like, I'm going to do peds. Like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And we had this lecture series in our first year that was like, where do physical therapists work? And I was a little snooty about it. I was like, I'm in PT school. Like, I know where physical therapists work. I don't understand why. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't. Um, And we had a faculty member present on women's health. And it was just such an eye-opening thing. Mm -hmm. And she gave the example of, you know, you sprain your ankle. We're going to give you X amount of visits to kind of rehab that to feel better. But if you think about in the context of a pregnancy, you have this significant weight gain. Mm -hmm. You're changing how you're walking. You're going through the trauma, like physical trauma of birth, regardless of how it happens. Mm -hmm. It's a significant event for your body. Mm -hmm. And then we say, walk it off. Like, and it was just such a, oh my goodness moment. I just had it too. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, I never thought about it. No. Well, we haven't thought much about pelvic health in general, (laughs) which we've talked about. Like, it's so true that we don't know much about this topic at all. Yeah. Now, what is the difference between like pelvic health and, like, gynecological Well, I was going to say, like, uterine, but, like, I'm assuming, like, is pelvic on the... <laughs> so, like, outside versus, like, your organs? Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, that's a, a little bit question. about the pelvis. That's right. a great question. Okay, so the pelvis is actually the bony structure of, like, your hips. Mm. You have your pubic bone in the front, those sits bones that you can feel when you're sitting down. So that kind they of always talk about those in yoga. Yeah, like move um, the fat away from your sit. They probably don't say fat. Oh. They're like move whatever away from the sits bone. I like to say your your strong glute tissue. Oh, that's there we go. Nice. Just move the strong glute tissues. Out yeah. Away. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So that's the bony structure of the pelvis. And then as a physical therapist, I'm working mainly with the muscles. So if you think of the pelvis of like your hips and that general area as like a bowl of bones, which mm-hmm. is essentially what it's forming. Um, there's actually a mus- muscles on the bottom of that. 
and they have a few different functions. So I work with those muscles as they relate to your uterus, your bladder, um, your bowel, all of those kinds of things. So many women also have issues like with peeing after they have birth or after yes. they have birth. After they, <laughs> after they have birth. The birth. <laughs> um, after they give birth. Mm-hmm. And I like my mom will even say like I, she can't jump on the trampoline without yeah. like peeing. My mom listens to this podcast so no comment. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like well, I know about your mom's like regardless. <laughs> It's one of those things that everyone's like, oh, it's normal. It's right. normal to pee after you get after you have a pregnancy, after you give birth. After you have birth. After you have birth. <laughs> um, but it's not, no- it's common, but not normal. And that's something yes. that I have to talk huh. with my patients about a lot. These are things that are common. It doesn't mean they're normal. You should be able to jump on a trampoline without mm-hmm. leaking. You mm-hmm. should be able to hold in urine and hold in, you know, bowel movements when you don't want to go and let it all out when you Mm. do want to go. You know what? This actually makes me a little bit angry because, okay, so I'm studying hormonal health, like, out to wazoo. Like, it's all I talk about. Ask my husband. He's so sick of hearing the words. And I'm realizing how unaware women are of their bodies and of their mechanisms and all these things like even things such as like painful periods or acne like none of this is normal you don't need to be dealing with these things but we think because so many women are dealing with them that it's something that we just have to live with because it's common we say it's normal but but it's not yeah Hmm. so okay backing up a little (laughs) bit how can we at least shine a little bit of light on pelvic health? How can we get our audience to like do you go get a is it it's not part of your annual checkup, is it? Well, or is it? Right. They, like how do we even get to know about it? <laughs> so um it's definitely a growing field in physical therapy that I work in. But another thing that's common but not normal, you should be able to have a gynecological exam without too much pain. It's not gonna be comfortable for mm-hmm. anyone, but you should be able to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the referrals I'm getting are from gynecologists, from urologists, mm-hmm. from people who are presenting with those problems of either they're leaking urine or they have pain with intercourse or some other factor that's going on kind of in that general region mm-hmm. of the body. Mm-hmm. And they come to see me and my team to see if there's any muscular component of that. Got it. So would we know if we're having issues if if basically are those like some Obvious of the factors. Yeah. Is it like the not being able to hold in your urine or painful intercourse? Like, are those some of the typical symptoms that we should look out for? Yeah. Those are some things that would cause someone to come see me. Mm-hmm. Really, you should be able to hold urine mm-hmm. when you want to hold it. Release completely when you want to. Mm-hmm. Same thing with bowels. You should no amount of pain is mm-hmm. normal during intercourse. You should have relatively, you can have some cramping with periods, and I'm sure you're going into this a lot with all of yes. your hormonal studying. Mm-hmm. But that's also um, a factor. Yeah. If things are extreme and intolerable, then you can come in. My dream is that you would get an annual visit just to yeah. see how, what does everything look like? That and after pre and postpartum, mm-hmm. just kind of those checkpoints in that women's lives. Obvious. Yeah. That you should get that pre and postpartum, doesn't it? Like you're shoving a human out of that area. Yeah. Liz is actually very uncomfortable <laughs> with pregnancy. No, just like the, the motion. Like you're just like, you were very like hand gesture <laughs> <Me>? heavy. <laughs> just 
<laughs> like you envisioned like it's a small a town event. coming out of the area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It is a big event. <laughs> so what does it look like then for, I mean, is there no talk pre and postpartum at all about pelvic health? Like some physicians will say, okay, do Kegels afterwards mm-hmm. or something like that. But there's been studies, just a verbal instruction of like, hey, do a Kegel, like squeeze those muscles to try to strengthen. Yeah. Just that verbal instruction is not enough for the majority of women to know how to do that or I what that is not know or, what you know, coordinate that muscle group. Yeah. Wow. This is so interesting. Okay. So how do you think we can inform women about their own anatomy? Like I know that in school, I didn't learn any of this stuff. And the only reason I know things now is because I'm actively seeking it out and it's my field of study at this moment. Um, But what are your thoughts on how we can make women aware of their body and pelvic health? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think if we could fill it into that like sexual education that people are getting throughout their school years, Mm -hmm. that would be such a good foundation for you to then build off of, at least to know what's okay and when you should be seeking health. But I don't know about everyone else. My experience with sexual education in high school, middle school, all of that is pretty much like your interaction with another human being Mm -hmm. and not about you as an individual knowing even like, what that area looks like or what, you know, what's where and what's normal. Yeah, what's normal. I feel like this might be slightly uncomfortable, but we're also open on this podcast. Like, have you ever had a moment when you were little where you're like, what's down there? And you've like examined in a mirror, like what's down there? Come on. I'm not the only one that's done that. I'm not going to comment. Liz has. So... I actually encourage my patients. Like, Thank you. Look, like you should look at, if you think of how crazy would it be if you injured your arm and you're like, okay, we're going to do all of this rehab to make your arm feel better, but don't look at it. I don't want you to know what it looks like. I don't want you to know what it's yeah. doing. Let's just turn a blind eye to it because we don't talk about those things, but rehab it. Like you have mm. to look and know. And when we get into like our parents' generation and all that stuff, yeah. like, prolapse is a huge issue so that's when um the vaginal canal isn't quite as strong the tissues that surround it and you can actually have bladder or rectum kind of mm. coming into space that isn't doesn't isn't oh. meant for it mm-hmm. how common is um, that pretty common and it's ranked there's different levels of severity but mild prolapse is fairly common um, I'm getting nightmares about being older now. Oh, no. <laughs> You're like, you'll be fine. I'm like, I don't want I'm any. worried about this. But we'll just, you know, go to Rachel, and then she'll I help will. us out. She'll <laughs> give us our exercises. We'll be good to go. Yeah. I am very, very passionate about, like, women not being afraid of their own body and not Absolutely. being afraid to talk about it. And I know even from my mom and my grandma, like, you don't really talk about that kind of stuff. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, like— I don't know why in our society we've created this awkward, like, conversation when it comes to our bodies, but I think it's just hurting us, really. I agree, and I think that's part of the heart I have for my patient population Mm -hmm. that I work with. So if you think of, like, and, like, nothing against orthopedic, like, if you hurt your ankle or your arm, you still need help. It's just a good kind of, you know, comparison between the two. Mm -hmm. If you roll your ankle running, right, you can go into the— work on Monday and say, oh my gosh, I did this thing over the weekend. You can show people your ankle. You can tell me a story about how— Definitely can't do that with your ankle. (laughs) So you— Look what I did. You build this community about like, hey, we've been through this. What happened—you know, what did you do? What did you do? All those things. 
And you can't come in and say like, hey, I wanted to have intercourse with my husband or my partner and it hurt, so Mm -hmm. we couldn't. And no one's going to tell that story or have that community until we start like making it okay to talk about it. So do you think it's just having a conversation and continuing the conversation with multiple people until we, as a society, feel comfortable talking about this topic? I think so. And I mean, so I like totally embarrassed my husband at dinner parties when people were like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, let me tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you (laughs) everything. But I found that especially with women, just giving them that like slight open door Mm -hmm. of like, hey, here's what I do. People are ready to tell you, Hmm. oh my gosh, I've experienced this or this, that, and the other. And I think it's just building those safe spaces so we can have those conversations. I mean, I talk about a lot of this stuff with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a little bit of a ripple effect of, you know, a friend telling a friend, hey, yeah. did you know this or did you know that? And so I think just like empowering one another to to learn more and to be open about those things. I think American society is particularly bad about that. Because I agree. I know that like, I mean, obviously like pelvic health and sex are not, they're like two different they're related. They have, like, commonalities. But they're, mm-hmm. they're two different things. But I know, like, Europeans are much freer about talking about that kind of thing. Yeah. Versus, and they'll come, I know people from Europe that have come to America and been like, you guys are really, basically, like, you guys are really uptight. Like, you don't talk about. We are freaking uptight. I, I 100% agree. Yeah, I feel like we need to, like, I feel like it's a very uniquely American problem that we're not having those conversations. Do you think it's worse in America or do you know like in general I mean I don't have a ton of comparison yeah I know for example in terms of healthcare being provided in France you get 12 weeks of appointments with Mm. a pelvic physical therapist after you give birth it's the norm there's understanding that it's trauma and they're going to help you heal from it and if I am seeing a woman with a primary diagnosis of pain with intercourse I have to I can include that as a diagnosis, but for insurance to cover it, there has to be something else involved. Uh huh. Hmm. That makes so that's know, another element. Makes of me it. really angry. You know, this makes me yeah. angry just on the whole like women's rights issue because I've been here and okay, does pelvic health really coincide with PMS and like women's health in that way? Or are they kind of separate? Yeah. So I. I see women with endometriosis, mm-hmm. um, kind of some of those more hormonal disruption yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much any pain in that area is related. We work with them. That yeah. would make sense. Well, I've just been hearing more and more the more I research into these topics, it's like, I don't know how to say this. I'm just going to say it and whatever. <laughs> people can have their opinion. But sometimes I feel like if men had these issues, oh, absolutely. it would be way more on the forefront. Like, oh my goodness, you're experiencing this problem. Well, this man's experiencing this problem. This man's... Look at erectile need to- dysfunction. Exactly. I mean, people don't have any problem with Cialis or Viagra commercials. I mean, talking about that is... I mean, and I'm not saying that's not an issue. Yeah. But that's not as common for women. Like, yeah. to have those... The flip side is not given the same exactly. attention. And so what's happening because of it is, number one, one thing that I've seen in a lot of women is when they're having issues related to this field at all they think one something's wrong with them mm-hmm. they're embarrassed they think that they're weak they don't want to talk about it because it's like well this isn't appropriate and then everybody's just walking around in pain or you know feeling ill all the time or all these issues related to their home hormones and pelvic health that don't need to be there 
Right. I completely agree. It's so infuriating. It is. I heard too recently, I read something that there's an issue with people not taking women's pain as seriously as men's. Yeah. So there are quite a few studies and based on race, age, and gender will impact how seriously Mm. someone takes someone's perception of pain. You know, that normal rating. Especially with women, it tends to be tied more to psych and emotional than it does with men. That makes me so salty right now. And, like, there is – I fully support – we need more attention to mental health as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But you shouldn't be in pain. Like, if you're saying this is your pain level, let's address it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, people will say things like, oh, well, like – you're just hormonal or you just had a baby. Of course you have pain. I'm sure that's what people think. Yeah. But that's not the case. We need to address the issues that are happening. What? I'm going to sound like a sixth grader right now. What what happens to the pelvis specifically in childbirth? Yeah. I'm curious too. The bones itself? Yeah. How does it move? I'm assuming it moves around We're about to get some gestures happening that you guys can't see. I just put down my tea. I'm ready. So... There's hormonal changes with pregnancy, right? Yes. One of the hormones, or there's a few hormones that increase, progesterone and relaxin. Those hormones both make your ligaments, so your joints, a little bit looser. Mm. So if you think about that in terms of the pelvis, that kind of the middle of your pubic bone comes together. That gets a little, can move a little bit more. And it's essentially preparing the body to be able to have a baby. So things Makes get, sense. yeah, just a little more loosey-goosey. Loosey-goosey, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a better word than that, but that was totally what I was going with. Yeah. Um, to allow like a human, a human to come out of a very small area. Yeah. Hmm. I also have another question yeah. about this is, I think this is an obvious, men also have pelvises. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I am very <laughs> educated in this and I've been wondering the same thing so thank you for asking so I mean obviously it's this bone right yeah, here it's, yeah, the, it's big, like the circle yes. of bones kind yes. of down near your bottom got it it's hips and bottom yeah so what does male pelvic health look like Ooh, yeah so um, I'm not currently treating men but I will have men on my caseload in a few weeks Actually, that's not true I think I have one in two weeks mm. but they can have pelvic pain they can they can have pain you know down in the area of their genitals they can have leakage just like everyone else um a lot of times following a prostatectomy if the prostate is removed they'll have leakage after that because mm. you're damaging those muscles and kind of those stop guards for the um to stop the flow of urine so we actually in our little group we see quite a few men as well okay i have another question which is also probably like a sixth grade question. Literally, this we have adult Rachel talking to sixth grade. <laughs> no, this is because you didn't get this in sixth yeah. grade, right? How are you supposed to know this? Okay, is hip pain related at all? Because Absolutely. I have so much hip pain. Like yeah. I always like in really? bar mm-hmm. in bar class. There's a lot of things I can't do because my hips hurt so bad. Specifically, like, and I think it's like when I'm. I might be weak, but, like, if we're doing a lot of things, I'll have pain. And also, it feels, like, cramping sometimes to yeah. me. Like, I'll be lifting my legs, and it almost feels like um, my, like, uterus is pinched. Yeah. And it hurts in my hip. Huh. So, I wonder if that's related at all. So, those kind of, if you, like, feel up high on your hip for, like, the top of your hip bones, mm-hmm. that is one of the bones of your pelvis. And your leg bone that goes into that to make your hip joint. 
So there are a ton of muscles overlapping. There's a ton hey Jackson. of... <laughs> Jackson was scratching on the door. I had to let him in, and now he's licking our guest's hand <laughs> as she's trying to explain my question to me. He would. So there's a lot of muscles overlapping, and if we look at kind of the pelvis as a whole, Mm -hmm. your glutes are attaching there. Your hamstrings are attaching at the bottom of it. Your inner thigh muscles are attaching there. So all these muscles are coming into play in terms of that, like, stabilization of the pelvis, as well as your abdominals are coming in from the top. So, that makes so much sense why I have that pain. Yeah. So a lot of times I'm— working a lot on abdominal strength with yeah. my patients because oh. there's just an imbalance of what muscles their body is choosing to use for different exercises because we're mm-hmm. master compensators. Our bodies will find a way to do something even if it's not the ideal. Interesting. I'm waiting to have hip problems because um, – so I'm knock-kneed, which I didn't know until a phys- – I was taking a picture with a physical therapist. <laughs> and I was like, why do my knees look like – so weird all the time. And she's I remember like, oh, you're when not you discovered this. I think she told me I would have hip pain later as in my life as a potentially as a result of that. So now I'm gonna prepare for prepare. some hip pain. Yeah. I just as strong as you can be, the more prepared you're gonna be for life. And you know, you don't have to do a million crazy CrossFit things or run ten miles every yeah. day, but just you know, having the strength to make it through your day and meet the challenges and I think a lot of times we think our bodies will just do it because back in the day when we were farmers and different things, we had these physical demands on our mm-hmm. bodies that kind of kept us a little more healthy. But now we sit at desks or yeah. we drive in our car, you know, all these different things that we're kind of losing some of that daily physical activity mm-hmm. that used to help maintain our strength. Wow. So like if you're a person that sits more or like as a society, I mean, we, I sit like all the time. Because I work at home and like we yeah. have desk jobs and yeah. stuff. So does that contribute to does like more sitting? Because I keep hearing stuff about like sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, People does, are talking about getting stand up desks mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. so that you're not sitting all the time. Does it specifically contribute to pelvic health? Like if you're a sitter, so posturally it can. So if you are slouching a lot. If you think about, I'm trying to think of, if you think of like slouching to the absolute extreme and then trying to do anything physical, it's going to be super hard, right? Because you're in terrible alignment. But if you're hanging out in that position a lot throughout the day, that's becoming your new norm. Mm -hmm. And so then if you think about going about everything else in your day with this poor alignment that you're perpetuating every day, it's going to make it harder. We always say your, your best position is your next position. So just having some variation throughout the day. So how can I prevent See her wheels turning? <laughs> Me? Yeah, I knew you had another question in mind because I, I so saw many. like your eyes roll back in your head and I was like waiting for it. So how can I like let's say right now I don't have any like pelvic pain. Yeah. But I want awesome. to be preventative and not have pelvic pain or like maybe I'll have kids in a few years and I feel like like can you like strengthen things? Like is it kegel exercises? Is that what yeah, how do we doing? how are we preventative about our pelvic health? So, a great way to be preventative is just to have a checkup, ask a, you know, your gyne or whoever you're seeing on a regular basis just to see a pelvic physical therapist. Mm. So, kegels are great, but they're not what everyone needs. 
So a lot of people, especially women, tend to carry tension in, you know, their inner thighs, Mm -hmm. in their pelvic floor. They've actually done studies where they show people, like, graphic horrible images. And the first muscles to, like, activate to protect you are your pelvic floor muscles. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I just had another thought. It's probably not the one you had. I was going to say, anytime I see blood or something grosses me out, I have to pee. Ooh, that's And I've always thought that was really weird. That's I was it. like, if I see something like gross, my immediate reaction is like, you I'm tense. You're tensing now, like in that area, talking about it, like your lower body. Oh, this is fascinating. Okay, this made me think of in yoga a lot, um, like especially in Kundalini, they'll be like, your bandhas, and they always talk about your lower banda and how you have to, it's it's like the feeling of holding in your pee and like holding it up and in and like the energy yeah. rising. Um, so and that, that's me, and like that's also your root chakra. Mm-hmm. So it makes so much sense, like almost like in a spiritual element to me that Absolutely. like women, if they're having issues down here, I wonder if it also like bleeds into a feeling of being grounded in your own life or like being unsettled or your energy and your vibration. Like I bet you that's all connected somehow. Yeah. So them telling you to kind of like lift and hold up. Yeah. They're telling you to contract your pelvic floor muscles. Yeah. That's they what they're telling about, you to do. Have they talked about the pelvic floor? Yeah, they, they talk about the pelvic floor, the floor in yoga. What is the pelvic floor? The pelvic floor are those muscles at the bottom of your pelvis. So they go from, um, you know, those bones you're sitting on. They go mm-hmm. from sits bone to sits bone. And they go from your tailbone to that pubic bone in front. Mm. It's like a little hammock down there. This makes me want to research pelvic health so much more. Because now it really is, has me tied into a lot of the spiritual connections, I think, with with your system down there. Mm. I love it. Just oh, so Kegels, you said, aren't for everyone. Yeah. Oh, go so, back to no, the Kegels. No. Yes. I just okay. got really excited that my my thing of having to pee when I see blood is, like, justified now. I got, I've always... Never had that myself, yeah. but So there's, there's kind of two divisions of our nervous system, and our sympathetic one is, like, that fight-or-flight one. Mm-hmm. And if you've heard the express, expression, like, scare the piss out of you, yes. sorry, there's not a nicer way to say it. Yeah. That's that. It's, wow. it's that that fear increases your sympathetic nervous system, and then you have you have to be. I um <laughs> nervous bladder, that, all that stuff. You know, I have issues like you know. Think about if you're about to go perform or something. I always have to pee. Yeah, like I always have to pee when I'm getting ready to do something. Like before a concert, I'll have to pee. Like it's cra- kind of crazy. Yeah, it's all related. Exactly this is craziness, is. and we're talking a lot about like. I feel like we're talking a lot about lady parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Genitals. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned bowels. Yeah. What is, like, what is that? How is like? that related? How is that right? Okay. So the muscles that make up your pelvic floor, they are going around the urethra, where urine comes out. They're going around the vagina, and they're going around the rectum. So if you are one of those people that has an overactive pelvic floor, so you're tensing that area of your body a lot, you're not a person to do Kegels because we need to learn how to relax first before Mm -hmm. we do anything else. And it's all those muscles are kind of working together. Mm -hmm. So there's a few different reasons you could have some bowel issues. And obviously, nutrition, hormones, there's all those things that go into that. But there's also people who have trouble emptying because either they think they're pushing and they're actually contracting and squeezing those muscles. Um, There's people who can't relax those muscles Mm -hmm. enough to have a complete bowel movement. So, yeah, I do a lot of 
bathroom talk and you know how do we sit on a toilet what yeah. do we do with our okay. muscles squatty potty yeah it's a supposed good, to be the optimal it's way. supposed to be it is it is an excellent improvement ideal position is your knees are higher and wider than your hips because there's a muscle that goes it goes from your pubic bone in the front wraps around the rectum and goes back to the pubic bone when we're sitting and our knees are low it puts a little bit of like a kink i'm sure you've seen the commercials with like the unicorn pooping and all that. I think they talk about it a little bit. Only not. because I oh. only have Netflix and That's Hulu. Yeah. Mm, so maybe go. they're not advertised yes. on those two mediums. I don't know. But if you get in that position, in that like squat position, it helps to relax that muscle and essentially mm-hmm. takes the kink out of the bottom part of that rectum. So you have more of like a straight shot and an easier time to go is to the it, bathroom. Is that Wait. the concept of the squatty potty? Yeah, absolutely. Do we need the squatty potty to be higher? Is that what? Am I supposed to sit on the toilet? Like I'm going to demonstrate now, like pulling my knees up, like all the way to That's my chest. That's a little bit extreme. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that. So you want to be able to relax your muscles in the position you're in. Mm, so definitely can't do it. Yes. If you think about some like more Eastern cultures where they're actually yes. squatting. Liz, we've been to China. All of the bathrooms are on the floor. Yeah. I did. I refused to use them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had to once. They had was an choice. Like sometimes it was like hit or miss. Like sometimes you yeah. get western, sometimes you get the squatty. And I, I yeah, maybe I should have though. That's actually an ideal position to have wow. a bowel movement in. And all of us thought that was so weird. You know, we went yeah. there and was like, how am I supposed to go if I have to squat? But it makes complete yeah. sense. It's how we did it when we were ancestors, right? Yeah. And it's estimated around like wait, is that the right how when we were ancestors? Our ancestors. Our ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> I just caught myself like when we were ancestors. You'll be an ancestor one day. Oh, one day. There it's around twenty one percent of females are constipated. So Believe and if you that. think of like how close the rectum is to the vagina, to the bladder. Like, it's a small space that all of that is in there. And if you're storing some stuff and not letting it fully evacuate when you need to, like, that's going to impact Makes so everything else. Yeah. Wait, so if people have constipation, that can be because of pelvic health? Constipate, yeah. Mm. So I, I just thought- feel like it needs to be in the conversation with everything because we're always talking about nutrition. We're talking about digestive health and mm-hmm. our microbiome and all of these things. Like, why are we not adding pelvic health in the mix? Yeah, so I always tell my patients, there's three things I can work on you with. And one of those is stool consistency, which is that, you know, mm-hmm. diet. Um, people are terrible at drinking enough water, kind yeah, of, me. you know, all of those things that are going to impact the stool consistency. We can change how you're going to the bathroom. So bringing in that squatty potty mm-hmm. or... Um, teaching them how to relax those muscles. And then the third is, how well can we relax those muscles? An orgasm is a rapid contraction and relaxation of one of your specific pelvic floor muscles. Mm -hmm. And so if there's some sort of dysfunction there, if it's kind of like holding on a little tighter or something, sometimes that rapid contraction relaxation can actually help the muscle to relax afterwards. And there are actually some women who have decreased levels of pain if they're able to achieve orgasm. So is that also why in a lot of the books that I've read, if you are dealing with a lot of cramping, just in general, like PMS, things like that, they say having an orgasm helps with those pain issues. Yeah. It's getting that release Mm. of those muscles. So (laughs) sex is healthy. We all know this, I think though. we've known that for, for a <laughs> for long years, time. For years. For all of the days. Yeah. But I think all of the 
husbands of the people listening to this podcast will be very thankful. <laughs> yeah, they're like, keep talking about this. <laughs> keep saying it's healthy. <laughs> so I actually see a lot of patients who, um, you know, were in, rate, waited for the right relationship to start that aspect of their life, whether it was marriage or a serious relationship, you know, whatever their choices are. Mm-hmm. And then they get into, they become sexually active with a partner and all of a sudden they're like, wait, I thought it was supposed to be this glorious thing. Yeah. And it just hurts or I can't even do it because it hurts so bad. Right. And then they end up come seeing a physical therapist. But a lot of women, it's another one of those things where they're like, it's normal. It's okay if it hurts. Wait, is it not normal for it to hurt the first time you do it? The first time might be a little uncomfortable. After that, no amount of pain is normal during intercourse. Can we talk a little bit about what that pain might be or what that pain might feel like? Yeah. Because I think, again, just being a naive woman, sometimes I'm not sure. Like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Who knows? Yeah. So some women will experience pain with insertion. So at that, like, initial penetration. Mm -hmm. Um, Some women will have pain with deeper penetration. Some women will feel, like, dry or not quite lubricated or just in general. That has to do with pelvic health? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I think think the answer is everything is pelvic health. Yeah. I'm also... A lot of light bulbs are going off from my brain right now. Keep going. Yes. Yeah. So any of those, or some people will even have um, pain after intercourse. Mm-hmm. So like soreness the next mm-hmm. day or that evening or something like that. None of those things are normal. You should be able to have pain-free intercourse. Wow. <laughs> okay. A lot of women, I think, are going around having painful intercourse and not realizing that that's something that doesn't have to happen. Yeah. It's estimated about one in five women at some point in their lifetime. And granted, we're catching the, you know, perimenopause, women who are going through some changes with hormones and all of that, and then postpartum. And, you know, so it's capturing everything. But it's estimated about one in five at some point in their life will experience discomfort. Now, is a little bit of discomfort normal? No amount of it's normal. Hmm. So, I'm so- <laughs> me and Liz just can't It's hard to not nice. say, like, specific things. And I, like, yeah, about okay. yourself. I know. I keep wanting, yeah. I feel so, like you can <laughs> sense that we, like, have individual questions. Because <laughs> we, can, we can just chat a little look- offline okay. after. We keep, like, looking at each other and then going, hmm. So, when, how do you know, so if you have any pain during intercourse, is it time to go see someone about this or it, it is? Yes. Hmm. So there's some things you can try on your own first. So lubrication is can sometimes help out a lot, um, even if you think you're well lubricated prior to the event. But is lubrication something that is also, I know, like when people's hormones are off balance, mm-hmm. that their body isn't producing enough lubrication on their own. Is that pelvic health related? So, or is we, there two different yeah I'm, aspects here? I cannot think of a single patient that I'm seeing as their only provider. Right. A lot of times they're seeing a gynecologist, a urogynecologist, you know, a, yeah. kind of a team and we're working together. Because everything is interconnected. Absolutely. Ab- yeah. Hmm. So if we think of like lubrication specifically, they're talking more about that with their gynecologist. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do any sort of like estrogen cream vaginally or something locally to try to pump those tissues, get a little more lubrication. That's outside of my scope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell them of some other options while while they're working with that provider Got to it. try to 
try to help out that situation. So what oh. does, if someone goes to someone like you, like, what do they do? Like, what, what like kind of exercises? What, is, what kind of rehab do we see yeah. here? Yeah, so I'm just going to walk you through, like, what an eval, it, like, the first yeah. time I see someone, what I talk to them about. Is that Yeah, helpful? do it. So I give them kind of a spiel when they come in, because half the time women come in they're like I'm not quite sure why I was referred to you and they're expecting us to like do squats and I'm like okay let's sit let's chat and I have a little model so I'm able to like show them the pelvis Mm -hmm. and explain everything and tell them you know there's four main functions of these muscles they have a sphincteric function so that sphincter they help close off when we don't want to urinate or have a bowel movement and then open when we do They have a sexual function, which we've kind of been talking about a little bit. They have a support function. So they're supporting our our uterus, our bladder, all of, you know, our rectum. They're supporting those. And then they have a stability function. So actually in the function of our hips, our back, kind of that muscle balance, they have a stability function. Makes sense. So I give them that little spiel so they don't think I'm crazy. And then we talk through bowel function, bladder function, sexual, um, sexual function, and pain just to get a good idea of kind of what's going on with them to get the fullest picture possible. And then I do more of a standard PT exam for their back and their hips Mm -hmm. to rule out anything to kind of see what's going on. And then I will um, externally examine the vulva, see if everything looks okay. And I'll do an internal exam as well. Wait, what's the vulva? The vulva is (laughs) the external genitalia. Oh. So what, if you had a mirror and you're looking. Is this something I should know? It's cool. I mean, (laughs) you don't know, you don't know. Why don't I know these things, sex ed? Okay, keep going. Yeah, so just like look, make sure tissue looks healthy, everything like that. And so a lot of my exam is, one, seeing if I'm the right provider to treat them or if they need to be seeing someone else at this time. So if tissue doesn't look good, that's when I kind of phone a friend and, and make sure they have other people on their team. Um, and then I'll internally assess the muscles to see if anything's uncomfortable to them, have them contract around my finger. Um, this is done vaginally. Mm, right? um, yeah. Kind of like gynecologist world. Yes, except no speculum, mm. just one finger. Got so it. a lot more comfortable. I was going to say um, those are the worst. Okay. So having them contract, relax, see if they can um, coordinate their breath with the movement of the pelvic floor. It sounds like stressful to me. Like if I was doing, <laughs> if I was the patient, I feel yeah. like I would be stressed. It would be hard for me to relax. So there are some patients where we don't get to that on the first day. Mm-hmm. I have, um, you know, I see a few patients who are survivors of sexual assault, mm-hmm. and they're not ready for that the first day, and that's yeah. fine. We can take as many appointments as we need yeah. to get to that point. But just kind of assessing how those muscles are doing and then we end up doing some what we call uh, so if they had pain with intercourse we'd be working on relaxation exercises so kind of teaching them how to relax their pelvic floor Mm. we use the breath to coordinate that so when you breathe in your pelvic floor should naturally relax it's not the case for a lot of people so we work on that coordination just general down training and relaxation and stretching and typically, if their primary complaint is pain with intercourse, I'll um, be doing manual techniques externally and internally to help relax those muscles. Hmm. Hmm. Again, with this whole interconnectedness, everything is related thing, it's making so it's like making so much sense to me. I guess I'm confused what the difference is between this and a gyne- like what is the gynecologist yeah. looking at? So the gynecologist is more concerned with organ function. Okay. 
I'm not going to change how you're using So you're like muscles. I'm muscles and the connective tissue. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Because I know actually I think I've had in my annual exams like they do something. I feel like they test. They do so something with the pelvis. They, they do. Um, so with the speculum, they're kind of looking at the tissue. To, and I can't speak 100% to this. This is my understanding. If they're doing a pep smear or they're getting all of that done, they might have you contract and relax to see if you can squeeze those muscles. Um, we are getting on every different muscle. There's mm-hmm. three layers of muscles. So we're checking those three layers to kind of see what's uncomfortable to the patient. So if you think of if you're, like, really stressed and you have your shoulders up by your I ears. I was just going to ask if stress plays a role in oh, all of this. Oh, such a huge role. So if you get those, like, knots in your shoulders, yeah. you can have those in the muscles of your pelvic oh. floor as well. My, I'm sorry. My mind just was blown. So I, I know people talk about, like, when they're stressed, they, like, have issues sexually. Well, that's why, okay, I, that's where I was going when I went on my little rampage about the interconnectedness of everything is, like, when you think about sex is supposed to be relaxing, it's supposed to make you feel good, you're connected to your body, but if you're having pain, you're also not relaxed, and then all these other issues, like you're not feeling grounded, and yeah. like you're out of alignment, and all all of these issues, like it just, mind blown, like all of it makes so much sense. And the even more frustrating thing is when women don't know they're not supposed to have pain. Yeah. And our muscle, like, our bodies are great protectors, right? If something hurts you 10 times, you're going to protect yourself the 11th time. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the second time, you're going to start tightening those muscles again mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, kind of guarding against any of that. And then you're just in this spiral of, okay, don't, you know, relax. It's not going to hurt this time. And you're repeating that story over and over mm-hmm. again that it hurts, so you're going to tense up each time. Yeah. 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 And it's not getting any better. Mm-mm. So I want to switch gears here because I'm switch curious. It. I'm planning for the future. I'm looking ahead to when I'm like 50. How does pelvic pelvic health change with age? Yeah. Great question. So they should still be able to have pain-free intercourse. Cool. Um, with that population, we tend to see more of an increase of that urinary incontinence. So yes. leakage as muscles get a little weaker. Um, as we have less estrogen, those muscles and um, tissues down there are just a little less plump. They're just, you know, not quite as good as they were when they were younger. So being sure that they have the coordination for everything and, um, yeah, are just working as best to strengthen as they can. those muscles. Yeah. Wow. This My mind is just blown. I'm so glad. Can I just say that you reached out to us because oh, this is a topic of conversation. <laughs> Me and Liz would never have once been like, let's talk about. Well, actually, we've talked about should we talk about like sex before? Because mm-hmm. that's the one topic. But I like that we're coming at it from like a health perspective. Yeah. Because it really, I mean, like reproductive health, like pelvic health these are off these are things so i like that we're we're coming at it from another angle because yeah. we have been wanting to talk about sex because we think it's so important and it's a topic that women shy away from so much and like you can even see in this episode like i can tell from our body language a little bit it's like something new that we're not used to talking yeah. about and it shouldn't be like that cuz we're human like this is a natural and normal human instinct i have so i have girlfriends that like we talk about everything, yeah. and I know way more than their partners would probably be happy that I know about them yeah. in this realm of the world. But it wasn't until I got interested in pelvic health with physical therapy that and telling them, like, oh, you know, I'm seeing this, that, and the other, 
And then saying like, oh, wait, like actually my first year of being with the, like being sexually active with this partner was terrible. Mm -hmm. And here's why. And it's like, I, we share everything, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, this topic is like out of bounds, even with those close relationships. Well, we're going to start we're Yeah. I'm so glad we're able to talk about it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, also, so where can, like, if people want to, like, do you have, like, Instagram? I don't know if you want to share that. Or, like, yeah, so <laughs> people are interested in learning more about Rachel. Yes. I can send you to some good kind of general sources. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, it's probably easiest just to link them yeah, in the in show, show notes. notes. for sure. Um, but you can search for a pelvic health provider. There's a website where you can just kind of type in where you are and see who's nearby. We are really blessed in central Ohio that we have a, a good group, a large group here. There's some, if good we get know. more rural, um, you might be driving two, three hours before you can wow. find a provider. So that's probably the easiest way. My social media is all personal. So if you want to learn about my dog and like my niece who I'm obsessed with, then that's probably what you're going to be seeing. It's a little less helpful on the side of pelvic health. That's okay. We can just like research. Well, what location specifically for our Columbus listeners that yeah. can they seek out? So I work at Ohio State. We have a team of nine providers, which is Perfect. one of the larger ones in the country. Ohio Health has a team, and I don't think there's any private providers in Columbus. That I there might be one or two, but yeah, kind of those big hospital systems are the ones that are are supporting these groups right now. Good to know. Interesting. Man, this just blew my mind today. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and tell my husband all this stuff, and he's gonna be like. This is a lot of information. I know. <laughs> or they're going to be like, all right, let's get on it. Let's fix all these issues with the pelvis. Yeah. It's the pelvis, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the pelvis. Okay. You know what I've been saying? <laughs> How many times have I said pelvic, pelvic and then pelvis? Yeah. Got it. Learning all of the new things today. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for coming on. We can't wait for our listeners to dive more into this topic. Thanks for having me. This has been wonderful. All right, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling so much more informed about the pelvic area. I have one. I mean, we all have one. Men have one. Women have one. But I just didn't know it was the thing I need to pay attention to. And now I do. Yeah. And now we know. And now we know if you're feeling any kind of pain, like Rachel said, go get an exam. Go ask about um, maybe doing some kind of rehab if you need to do that to um, strengthen your pelvis area and kind of get rid of those issues you may be having. I really appreciate, again, her coming on and saying this is something I'm passionate about. I'd love to talk about it because, as we mentioned in the episode, this is a lot of um, education that uh, some of us don't get in our schooling. Mm -hmm. Um, As she referenced, it's a lot of, like, prevention of pregnancy and STDs, which, of course, is very important to teach. But Mm -hmm. um, we're not—we don't talk about what's healthy and normal Mm -hmm. in our health in that area, so— Thank you, Rachel, for coming on. I'm really glad we had this conversation. All right, guys, as always, please hit us up on Instagram at Wine and Shine Podcast. You can check us out at our Facebook group, The Wine and Shiners. And of course, you can always head on over to our website if you ever want to drop us a question or recommend a guest. Or subscribe to our emails. Yeah, or subscribe to the emails. That is all on our website, which is beautifully designed by Liz's husband, Zach. 
Also, if you want to head on over to patreon.com slash wine and shine podcast and support the podcast and the hard costs affiliated with it, please feel free to do so. You can become a patron for as low as $2 a month. It really will, helps us out. It does. We give shout outs for our patrons. We put them in our email newsletter, um, Instagram story shout outs. We give you lots of love when you're a patron. So um, head on over there if you wish and help support the podcast. All right, guys, that's all we have for you on this episode. We will catch you next week. Bye.